Have you got your Bibles this morning? There you go. iPad, iPhone, whatever. Lift it up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you guys sound great this morning. I'm going to read a scripture to us, and then we're going to watch a little video this morning. As I'm preparing for the Easter message this week, I began to think of stories in the Bible uh, and also about the crucifixion itself and the, and the price that Jesus paid. But I wanted to contrast for you guys so that you truly understand the depths of the forgiveness that God has extended to us. We need to truly understand that, okay? And, and there was one story in particular that sticks out to me that I wanted to share with you, and then we'll jump into the message. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to Jesus, and they sat down, and he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious folks, brought a woman that was caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down, and he straightened his finger, and wrote on the ground, but when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and, when, and he was left alone with the woman. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. I want to watch this video real quick. I want you to get a visual picture of what was going on.
Imagine you're in the town square and you're listening to Jesus speak and all of a sudden a whole group of religious leaders come into town and they're dragging this woman, half clothed, and they throw her down in the center of the court. Now remember, they're in town and so everybody's in town. There's a big crowd there listening to Jesus speak. And the religious leaders hate him. They've been looking for ways, if you read your New Testament, you read your Gospels, constantly trying to find ways to trap Jesus, trying to trick him, trying to get him to mess up. And they finally feel like they've got him this time. See, they bring this woman and they throw him at Jesus' feet and they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. We caught her sinning. We caught her red-handed. She's guilty. The Mosaic law says, the law that Moses laid out, says that we're supposed to stone women such as her. But it's not just women. See, the Mosaic Law actually said you're supposed to stone both of them, which I think is interesting that the guy wasn't standing there too. But anyway, she's standing there. Actually, she's laying down in the dirt probably. Now, here's, why, here's how they're capturing You probably might wonder, well, how are they trying to capture him? Here was the catch-22 for Jesus. If he said, you're right, we need to kill her, he was going to be breaking the Roman law. Because at this time, remember, the Romans were in control. And the Romans were the only ones that could commit capital punishment. They were the only ones that could have someone killed. So if Jesus said, you're right, we need to kill her, then Jesus would be guilty of murder. And then the Romans would hold him accountable. But if he said, no, we're not going to do that, then he was breaking the Jewish law. So he would be breaking their law. They had him. They absolutely had him. There was no out. Unless you're Jesus. (laughs) Right? But Jesus does something very interesting. The Bible says he didn't even answer them. He reached down and started drawing something in the dirt. How many of you have ever wondered, what was Jesus drawing in the dirt? Well, I read some scholars this week, and they think this is what he was writing. This is what these guys think. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. This is the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus is born. This is talking about the Messiah. Listen to this. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. Talking about the Messiah. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who have turned away, who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord The spring of living water. Who did Jesus say he was? He said he was the spring of living water. And so what what many scholars believe is that maybe the first time he knelt down, he wrote Jeremiah 17, 13. Well, they weren't having any of that. So the Bible says he stooped down again. What they believe he was doing the second time was writing out their names and possibly some of the sins that they'd committed. But whatever it was... It was enough for these guys to start throwing their rocks on the ground because Jesus said, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. And whatever he wrote got their attention. And the Bible says they began to walk off, and I have to use my religious voice here, one by one, beginning with the eldest. That's what happened. And then one of the most amazing pictures of grace and mercy in the Bible happens next. See, here's the deal. Notice Jesus never said she wasn't guilty. Did you notice that? She was guilty. She committed this sin. They caught her in the very act of it. They didn't care about her. They were just using her as bait. But she was guilty. 
And notice Jesus said the words, he who was without sin cast the first stone. Who was the only person on the planet who was without sin? Jesus, the judge, the creator who knows her. He's there. He's the only one that can accuse her. He's the only one. He says, where are your accusers? He says, there's no one here, Lord. And he says, I don't accuse you either. Go your way and sin no more. See, Jesus' death is not a get-out-of-hell-free card that we can go do whatever we want to do. He told her, don't, don't go do this anymore because it's destroying your life. You know, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. There are many people in this room that kind of lived a crazy life for a while. And you know that the end result of all sin is always death. The Bible says sin for a season may feel good, but the end result is death. It's destruction. That's the way it works. And Jesus said, don't go do that anymore. You need to turn. You're probably going, well, Pastor, what in the world does that story have to do with Easter? Well, let me give you some some theological history here. Way back in the garden, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they sinned against God. And the Bible says when they sinned, when they rebelled against God, they recognized their nakedness, which was their sin at that time. they, They recognized that they had sinned against God. And so the Bible tells us that God killed an animal and took the skin of that animal and covered their nakedness. In other words, he covered their sin. That this animal had to die to cover their sin. And so all throughout Old Testament history is this this study of sacrifices. If you sin, something has to die. If you sin, something has to pay. There's no free rides. God is holy. God is without sin. And so if there's sin, there has to be a payment. And that payment is blood. And so Jesus was called to be the Lamb of God. And and 700 years before he was even born, there were prophecies about Jesus coming and the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a sacrifice once and for all and he was going to free his people and us too. The sacrifice, one time, for all people. And Jesus talked about that. He would explain to the disciples, I'm here for a purpose. He's here for a reason to pay that price. Of course, they didn't understand it any more than we would have. But Jesus did. And so as Jesus was forgiving this woman for her sin, he knew that someone had to pay. Let me ask you a question. Just be real honest. How many of you have ever done something and you got caught red-handed? Some of y'all are lying, so raise your hands now because now y'all are lying. Thank you. But, I mean, you you sinned. You, You sinned. You were guilty, as this woman was. So Jesus forgave her. It wasn't until this week that I connected the dots. See, Jesus knew someone had to pay. And as he was forgiving her, he was taking her penalty on himself. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the realization that the time had come, he was about to be handed over to his betrayers. It was time. And the Bible tells us that he was in that garden and he was praying. And the Bible tells us he was under such pressure that he began to actually sweat great drops of blood. Medical professionals will tell you that can happen. And Jesus did that. 
He was taken by the religious leaders and they began to beat him. But you remember, see, they didn't have the authority to kill him. They had to have the Romans buy-in. And the reason that this is important is that you need to understand it. People say, well, the Jews killed Jesus. No, 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 no. We all killed Jesus. The Gentiles were just as involved as the Jews were. It was a collaborative effort. It was on all of us. His blood is on all of our hands. And so the Jews realized they could beat him up, but they didn't have the authority to kill him. They needed the Romans to do that. So they drug him before Pontius Pilate, accused him falsely. But, but Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, didn't want to kill him. But he did want to make an example out of him. And so they took Jesus, and he commanded him to be scourged or whipped. How many of you have ever seen a bullwhip? How many of you ever hit yourself with a bullwhip? I have. Very exciting. Not a lot of fun. Now, now the way the Romans did this, actually the tool they used was, was called a flagellum. And the flagellum had all these leather strips in it. So it wasn't one like a bullwhip. It wasn't one strip. It was actually multiple strips. It could have as little as three. And they're like three, three-foot strips or maybe more. Uh, it could have as many as nine. But inside the strips, that would have been about enough. But inside the strips, they put metal balls, metal. They also put bone, sharp. And the guys that used these were trained in their use. And so Jesus was going to get 40 lashes minus one. I really studied this this week. And there was actually on YouTube, and I encourage you to go look at it. There's actually some guys that took a, a, a cartoon model of a back and reenacted in actuality what these 39 stripes would look like. So imagine with each lash, three to nine different lashes hit at the same time, but those metal balls and those pieces of metal would hit, and those pieces of bone would grab, and they would rip it out of you. Historians tell us that there were many people that died during this process. They were literally whipped to death. On the computer model, after 27 lashes, you couldn't see the back from the neck all the way down to the legs. It was gone. It was all red. 27 lashes. There were still more. And Jesus took that. Look in your Bibles or look in your notes to Isaiah 53. This was written... 700 years, between seven to 800 years before Jesus was ever born. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, by his stripes, we are healed. Seven to 800 years before he was even born, his death was predicted. And what was going to happen? By his stripes. But see, it was beyond that even. So I want you to get the picture. Jesus, many people died during this process, but not Jesus. But the Romans weren't done. When they finished scourging someone like that, if they survived, they actually had salt that they would take, and they would actually pour salt on the wound. You've heard about pouring salt into a wound? That's what they did. And so they would cover the back of that individual with salt. You can imagine the pain. But there was more. 
The Bible tells us that they took a crown of thorns, the Roman soldiers made him a crown that looked probably almost identical to this, two to three inches in length, the spikes. I studied this week, Uh, I went and and studied out and and saw some research that was done by an ER surgeon on the crucifixion of Jesus and he explained each step and what would happen to the body when each one of these steps happened. And he talked about the crown of thorns. When they placed the crown of thorns upon Jesus' head, he began to bleed profusely. And the reason is, there's all these veins and all this blood flow that goes up into your head. And the surgeon actually said, he's had people come in with gashes on their heads before and die in the operating room from just a simple gash on their head because of all the blood flow. So now Jesus is bleeding horribly from the beating and they put this on his head. And then they took a robe, a purple robe, and they put it on his back over all that. You can imagine they probably didn't do it very nicely. Here's the king. Here's the king. They're not done yet. Then they take him back to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is trying to set him free. He realizes Jesus is innocent. And he says, here he is. I've already scourged him. He's had plenty. He's had plenty. Jesus doesn't say anything. And he says, there was a festival at that time. And during the Passover, they would exchange prisoners. And so they say, hey, take this man. And they said, no, give us Barabbas. And Barabbas was a thief and a robber. And so they set Barabbas free. And, and, and Pontius Pilate said, here, take him. Crucify him. So the state that Jesus is in physically, now they lay between an 80 and 110 pound beam across his shoulders. Not the full cross like we've seen, it's just that beam, just that 80 and 110 pound beam. He walked 650 yards with that beam. I can't do it. And he's beaten half to death for you. And he stumbles and he finally they have to help him. So they get him to the place now and they lay him on that cross and they take these nails that are six to nine inches in length. And see, we, we think of our hand, but actually the medical term for the hand is all the way down below the wrist. And the Romans had perfected this. And so right here at his wrist, they took those nails and they drove it through the center. It's because if you put it in your hands, it'll rip out. So they put it down here and below his wrist, right through the nerve. There's a nerve right there that runs in your body. And they drove it right through that nerve on both hands. And then they crossed his legs and drove another nail for you. So there was no relief for him. He was in excruciating pain from his back, from his head. Now on his, in his arms. To breathe, he has to push up on those nails. And when he relaxes, it, there is no relief. The Bible says he hung on the cross for six hours. Six hours. For you. Never did anything wrong. 
As a matter of fact, when he's hanging on the cross, he looks out at us. And you know what he says? I'm going to get you. Is that what he says? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That was me. See, Jesus didn't die for you on your best day. Jesus died for you on your worst day. And he hung there. But I think the hardest moment for him, in my opinion, the hardest moment for him was the moment that the Bible tells us that the father turned his face away from his son because of our sin. And Jesus cried out and said, Father, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, every sin past, present, and future was laid on him. Because it was the Passover, the religious leaders didn't want to leave the bodies out there. Jesus died. They didn't want to leave the bodies out there. So a Roman soldier went. They were breaking the legs of the other two. There was two thieves on either side of Jesus. And, and they came over and broke it, their legs so they would die quicker. Jesus had already died, but they came up to make sure, and they jabbed a spear up through his side, and it pierced his heart, went all the way through here. The Bible says that blood and water flowed. What that, what that surgeon said, that emergency ER surgeon said, it went in and pierced all his organs, pierced his heart, and that's why the blood and water flowed, just to make sure he was dead. And they took him down, and they laid him in a tomb. Something very interesting happened. Something very interesting happened. See, if you read your New Testament, Jesus had told them this was going to happen, but it wasn't over when he died. Three days later, he rose again. Mary Magdalene came down to the tomb to go see Jesus, go see his body. And as she got there, she, she saw that the stone was rolled away, the Roman soldiers were gone. No, I mean, she, didn't, she looked in, she didn't see Jesus, and she saw a man standing in the garden. She thought it was the gardener, and she went up to him and said, Where have you laid my Lord? What have you done with him? And Jesus said, Mary, and she realized it was him. And she went back and told the disciples. Over the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to hundreds of people and ultimately rose, to, went to heaven. He's, the Bible tells us he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me and you. And Jesus said, remember, it's good that I go because I'll send the Holy Spirit. See, God has a plan. But that plan started in a manger and ended on a cross for you. See, it cost him everything. We sang those songs this morning. And and I know we talk about the cross and we talk about Jesus died for you. But he died a horrible death for you. A death that he did not deserve to pay a penalty that you did on purpose. Why? I mean, why would God do that? I mean, if it was me, if you're going to be that hard-headed, you get to reap what you sow, Bubba. You made your bed, sleep in it. Anybody ever heard that before? That's not how God thinks. He loves you perfectly. He loves you completely. And he thought so much of you 
that he allowed his only son to suffer a horrible death on your behalf. Think about it. This isn't about a religion. This isn't about you trying to do all the right things or say all the right things. What this is about is a God that so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you. He didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but that he could save the world. But there's a part you have to play. You have to receive that gift. He did all of that so that you could say yes. And I don't mean just yes out of your mouth. I mean yes in your heart. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's the son of God, that he died for us, that he rose again, we shall be saved. You say, Pastor, saved from what? Eternity without him, hell. You know, this week... I had the awesome privilege of doing the funeral for my grandmother. And you say, well, that's, why is that an awesome privilege? She was 96, almost 97 years old. I saw her at Christmas. The last couple of times I talked to her over the last couple of months, uh, I'm the oldest, the best looking, smartest. I mean, I have a list of things. But anyway, and I did kind of let everybody know that at the funeral. But um, Humility is my greatest gift. <laughs> um, but I had called her over the last couple of months. And two of the last three conversations that I had with her, which were just in the last few weeks, I said, Mama, because I called her Mama. I said, what do you want me to pray for? How do I pray for you? She said, Chris, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go be with your granddad. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm tired. I said, Mama, do you know where you're going? She goes, yeah. See, she knew the end was coming for her. And she was ready. And here's the deal. Some of us in our minds say, well, I'll get it right right before I die. Oh, I'm about to die. I should ask Jesus into my heart. Really? So here's the deal. Every one of you is like a gallon of milk. You have an expiration date. The deal is you don't know when it is. The other deal is Jesus could come back tomorrow. We don't know. But as people, we feel like we're going to live forever. But the truth is we're not. And so Jesus paid this price so that we could be free. But you have to receive that. So here's the question today. Have you? Because here's the truth. You just heard the whole story. That's the truth. Jesus really did die for you. He really did rise again. And he really does love you. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that if you were the only person on the planet, he would still die for you. And I mean that. I believe that. That's how much God loves you. You're a masterpiece. He loves you that much. But you have to receive that. So here's what I want you to do. Angie and Wes are going to sing a song. And while they're singing, I want you to examine your heart this morning. I want you to ask yourself, if I were to die today, where would I spend eternity? Have I made Jesus my Lord? Have I accepted him as my Savior? Have I 
ask him, have I accepted that free gift that cost him everything? Have I traded my ashes, my junk, for beauty? Amen? Let's listen to this song. Than 
So what about you? I mean, really, what about you? Where's your heart? There is no better time, there is no better place than right now to get that right. You don't have to walk out of here today. You have heard the truth. So today, be honest with yourself. Have you received the gift of God? Have you made that decision in your heart amen have you let's all bow our heads for a moment if you're here today and you say pastor I've never done that I've never asked Jesus to forgive me I've never asked him to be my Lord I've never received the forgiveness that he paid for on that cross but I want to do that today. If that's you, slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Amen. 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 This is your day. Amen. Most important decision you'll ever make, guys. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. You'd made that decision before, but the truth is, you've not really lived by it. You've made that decision to go out and kind of do your own thing, and the truth is, it's not working. And I want you to know something, friend. I've done that too. I know what that's like. To go do your own thing and realize you ended up where you didn't want to go. You ended up paying a price that was really steep. But now maybe you feel guilty. Maybe you feel like you can't come home. You feel like you can't come back because you've sinned too much. I want you to understand something today. God's grace is greater than your greatest sin. It's greater. So if that's you today, and you're a believer, but you've walked away, but you want to rededicate your life, you want to just come back home, if that's you today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's what I want to do this morning. Let's all stand to our feet. Lots of hands in the room. If you slip your hand up, I want this to be meaningful. I don't want you to forget this day. So I'm going to ask you to step out and come down and just stand right in front of me. And I'm going to pray with you. And we're all going to pray together. So if you slip your hand up, just come on down to the front. No need to be embarrassed. This is the safest place I know. No judgment here. Not here to judge you. We're here to help you. 
give folks a hand as they come down the front. Come on. Here's what we're going to do. Is there are more people that raise their hand. This is a good day for all of us to rededicate our lives. Amen? Let's all put your hand on your heart this morning. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's about your sincerity. It's about if you mean it. You understand me? It's about if you mean it. Let's all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, you know my heart. You know what I've done. I've walked away. I'm sorry. I know you paid the price for me. I'm asking you, forgive me. Heal me. Make me the person I want to be. And you want me to be. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Amen. If you meant that, if you meant that, the price that he paid on that cross covers all your sin. The Bible tells us that we're a new creation. The old has passed away. And you say, Pastor, how does that work? I don't know. But he's God. And he takes it as far away as the east is from the west. And when he sees you, he sees you through the eyes of Jesus' sacrifice for you. Amen? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you're a new person. Amen? And that's what it's all about. Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. We're going to pray. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. Father, we thank you that you paid this price so that we could be free. Lord, help us to walk in that freedom. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to fill our lives and our hearts. Make us the people that you want us to be. Give us strength. Lord, as we leave this place today, help us to look at a world that's lost and dying. Father, help us to show them and point them to the cross. Heal us, Lord. Heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give you a charge today. As you leave this place, you're going out into a world with people that are hurting and lost. And they need to know Jesus. And the truth is, some of them, the only Jesus they're ever going to see is you. The only Bible they're ever going to read is what comes out of your mouth. And I want you to think about that because that's the truth. Are you pointing them to Jesus? Are you giving that smile, that handshake, that encouragement, whatever it is, to point them towards the cross? Because, guys, that's what you're supposed to be doing until the whole world knows. Amen? Love you guys very much. Let me pray over your meal because I know some of you are going to eat. Father, thank you for what this day means. Let us carry it in our heart. Help us to be your people. Bless us, Lord, as we go spend time with family and friends. Lord, help us to to remember you and what you've done. And bless us as we leave this place. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now, as you leave, high-five three people and tell them he is risen and he loves you. Y'all have a good day.